0: Welcome to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG
1: Paints. Every opening night, we have, there's always butterflies in your in your stomach. Every, you know, there's a there's a nervous excitement to it, um, because we we, we love this time of year. We love we we love to start playing meaningful games and and, and begin the journey. And and uh, I think all of us that are associated with the game feel the same way. And so. I'm not sure that ever goes away. I don't care how, how old you are, how many years you're coaching the league, or how many years you play in the league. It, um, I, I just think that's part of it. Brian Dumoulin back behind his own net, pressured by Richie, gets it to Letang, banks it off the far wall all the way down, wide of Vemelka, but no icing. Jake Gensel first of the puck, centers in front for Crosby. He shoots and scores! The magic right off the hop. Gensel to Crosby, and it's one zip, Pittsburgh go to work on the power play Malkin right side to Crosby shoots robbed by Vanelka Crosby gets it to Malkin he puts the rebound in a PPG for Pgh is Evgeny Malkin makes it 4-1 Pittsburgh P.O. Joseph plays it up the far wall for Brock McGinn up ahead for Kapanen sidesteps Richie Kapanen down the left wing dances to the slot flings it far side for Danton Heinen in the far corner Collected there by Josh Brown. He'll skip it out to center ice. Bouncing puck waved off as it rolls down into the Penguin zone. They stand with the twirling gold towels here at PPG Paints Arena. And on opening night, you got a two point party on Fifth Avenue as the Penguins take care of the Arizona Coyotes by a final score of six to two. And it was
2: revealed during the summer that the NHL had scheduled the Arizona Coyotes for the Penguin season opener. We came to the obvious conclusion that it could indeed be a very big two-point party on 5th Avenue for Penguins fans. The final score was pretty much what we could have predicted, too, with six different goal scores to boot. Good morning and welcome to the opening week edition of Penguins Live Weekly with Brian Metzer and our producer Wayne Gretzky-Anderson. As always, I'm Paul Steigerwald, and good morning, Mets Great to see you again. Great to get off and running on opening night with a big win.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Stag. Good morning to you. Uh, welcome back to another season. Looking forward to a, a long run with you this year, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it was a, a really fun way to kick off the season with a with a home opening win. The guys looked like they were primed for action. The big boys ready for offensive output. Uh, they also answered the feistiness pretty well. So I think that it was a, a, all told a pretty fun night.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of cookies on opening night, which I think is good because a couple of guys got on the board that you know we were hoping to get right rolling again in yep. terms of production and. I think that helps. I think everybody gets a little bit of confidence when they score that quickly in the season.
3: Well, and especially when it was two guys that, I mean, yeah, we got a lot of usual suspects on the score sheet, but two players that have been under the magnifying glass as, hey, are they going to be Penguins long-term? Are they going to, you know, start to be the guys we think they should be? And both Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen, which we'll talk about as we move through the show, got themselves on the board.
2: Shane Bear seemed to ignite things. You talked about the nastiness with that low-bridge hip check, if you want to call it that. Probably clipping would be a better... Term for it on Gino late in the first period. We're going to delve into that later in the show, but it wasn't pretty.
3: No, I I didn't like that hit at all. And um, you know, I, I kind of said this on post game. Did Gino fall wrong? Because then the players went after him, like as yeah, if right, like he yeah. did something wrong in that play. I'm like, no, all he did was get hit, and luckily avoided injury because we don't need Gino getting his lower body. Uh, disrupted this early on, especially when he looked like he was having one of his best games in a couple years. I mean, he was great in a face off circle. He was offensively evident and um, he was all over the place. So I was glad to see he was okay.
2: Nice debut for three newcomers on that revamped defense.
3: Yeah. You know, when you, when you get, a Jeff Petrie sighting on this team, I think that's something that's really going to help them. POJ had himself a decent night, all things considered, and um, I, you know, I'm still curious to see if he, he'll be here long term or if Ty Smith gets the call up, but for right now, POJ gets the start. And then uh, Jan Ruda, I, I thought, acquitted himself very well. And if you don't notice him, that's a good thing. And when I say that, I mean because he's out there just doing his work, getting his assignments met, and I think all three guys uh, did what the Penguins had hoped when they, when they started the season with him. I'd like to say it was a really easy game for the Penguins, but it wasn't because the Coyotes did push back. They didn't
2: threaten, as I said on the post-game show the other night, but they did challenge, and I think that helps. For tonight, because we got a tougher task on our hands tonight.
3: Yeah, it, it probably was a very good um, warm up for them because it could have been a runaway train. I mean, they they were up to a three nothing lead very early in the game, and then it kind of stagnated a little bit because the Coyotes did push back. They didn't make it easy on the Penguins, and the fact that if the Penguins had blown the doors off, and you and I talked about this early in the second period, stag, they may have it may have been a different kind of night. But Vemelka for for the Coyotes was really really good in net. And I think that kept the Penguins focused, and now they should be really ready for the test that is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who played last night, by the way, we should mention.
2: Yes, they did, and they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are without Patrick Laine now for several weeks, by a score of 5-2. to yep. two. And we'll have the highlights of the Penguins opener, or maybe a highlight from last night's game between the Bolts and the Jackets. We're going to discuss the history of the clipping penalty that wasn't called and is rarely called and give our impressions of the 22-23 version of the Penguins start to the NHL season with some news etc it's our first hour of spirited Saturday morning hockey talk at the Penguins radio network presented by s and Bank
4: Life-changing is happening every day at UPMC
1: Nursing school doesn't really teach you to become an ICU nurse like you have to have a special talent to understand patients who are not able to express themselves Just little clues that the body gives you and the patient gives you that just help who they are and what they want is extremely important to me. That's life-changing medicine at UPMC. Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient, 7-Up. That's right, 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it. Like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and oh yeah, don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsible. 7-Up is a registered trademark. Of Dr Pepper set it up Incorporated.
0: If there's a better place for world- class outdoor adventure or a better place to take in top-rated fall colors, we haven't seen it. but you should see it. It's all right here in West Virginia. Plan your fall trip at WVTourism.com.
1: Jim Shorkey gives Pittsburgh's best hockey fans a Kia hat trick. Price, value, and warranty. Kia inventory is back in stock, including 2022 Kia Forte, Soul, K5, Sorento, Sportage, Carnival, Telluride, and more. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsors of the Pittsburgh Penguin. Experience the best of Kia at shorkykia.com. Let's go, Penn! Stop
0: by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint. Located at Section 206 of PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. And this is the first installment of the season
2: of Penguins Live Weekly. We're here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. to take a look back at the week that was for the Penguins. And everybody was amped up for the home opener on Thursday night. And for the first time in his 18 seasons, believe it or not, Sidney Crosby scored his team's first goal of the season.
1: Brian Dumoulin back behind his own net, pressured by Richie, gets it to LaTang, banks it off the far wall all the way down wide of the Melka, but no icing. Jake Gensel first of the puck, centers it front for Crosby. He shoots and scores! The magic right off the hop! Gensel to Crosby, and it's one zip, Pittsburgh. The Penguins
2: dominated the Coyotes in the first period, and it was 3 0 before you could say Nikolai Bullen.
1: Rolls around back there, Jeff Carter digs it free, throws it up the wall, back to the point to Petrie as Schmaltz exits the box, teams at five on five, and a rip from Zucker beats Melka, and the Penguins take a 2-0 lead. Just as the power play expires, Jason Zucker on the board. Penguins control off the draw, Crosby down low to Russ, Deeks to there on the forehand, stop, rebound, Gensel scores! A PPG for PGH, and the Penguins are flying out of the gate to begin a new year. It's 3-0 Pittsburgh. Late in the
2: period, Gino was carrying the puck into the offensive zone, turned his back to defenseman Shane Gostisbehere, who channeled his inner Philadelphia flyer, causing a nasty scrum.
1: Josh Brown in his own zone for Gostisbehere Fires left side for michelli. Turns off the pressure from Zucker, then avoids Malkin. And Matthias Michele, the nice move around Zucker, gains the line into the slot. A pass hits a couple of skates and is knocked back out to center ice. Here's Malkin to it over the line. He tries to dance around Gostasbear, who lowered the hip and tossed Malkin to the ice. And the puck comes in on Vemelko, who covers up. Now getting Malkin mixing it up in the near corner. Nick Ritchie in there. Well, I don't know where Ritchie's ticked off at. It was Goss's Bear that went for the old Brad Park hip check on Kenny Malkin. And I think when Gino was going, you know what, over tea kettle, he caught Goss's Bear with either a skate or a stick. And then Richie came after Malkin. Oh, interesting how the stripes decide this one.
2: Yeah, it was interesting indeed. Gostaspare did not get a penalty. He should have gotten a clipping penalty. We'll delve into that later. Gino did get a penalty, and the guy he had the confrontation with in the scrum scored the Coyotes' first goal late in the second period.
1: Down low to Back up top to Keller. Near side for Moser. He'll drift to the center point. Right wing for Gostaspare. In front, a shot. Off the post, off the back. and in. Nick Ritchie with a power play goal for Arizona, and it's 3-1 with 3.50 to go in the second.
2: Penguins blitzed the Coyotes goalie, Carol Vemelka, with 23 shots in the second period. But it wasn't until the last minute of the period that they were actually able to get the fourth goal.
1: Pens go to work on the power play. Malkin right side to Crosby. Shoots robbed by Vamelka. Crosby gets it to Malkin. He puts the rebound in. A PPG for PGH. as Evgeny Malkin makes
2: it
0: 4-1 Pittsburgh.
2: Richie scored another power play goal early in the third period to make it 4-2, and the Coyotes came to life a bit. They almost made it 4-3 late in the period, but Tristan Jari said, "Uh uh-uh, no way.
1: Wings it to the near side wall, kept in by Gostasper. Back to the point, Michelli over to Moser with a shot. That's blocked by Joseph. Comes back to Moser. Back down low into the near corner. Michelli centers in front. Shooting is Hayden robbed by Jari. That might be his best of the night right there. Shortly thereafter,
2: Brian Russ scored a greasy goal to make it 5-2. to
1: On the near side, Malkin, right circle, drives out with it in the hash marks, left wing, shooting is Latang. save the Melka, how'd that not go in? Rebound, they score! Brian Russ puts home the loose change, and all you know what is broken loose just outside the blue paint in the Arizona end. Pittsburgh with some fireworks. And
0: for
2: good measure, the Penguins got an unnecessary sixth goal from a guy whose contribution will be very necessary this season.
1: they feed it up the right side for Cassian, Steers it ahead for McBain over the line. His pass behind a teammate. Rattles ahead for the Penguins. They have a two-on-one. Heinen with Kapanen. Here's Heinen down the left wing across for Kapanen. Shoots. He scores! Kasperi Kapanen with a dagger late. It's 6-2 pens with 2.23 to play.
2: So, to sum it up, six different goal scorers, including a couple of guys we have high hopes for, Zucker and Capitan. a three-point night for Sid, an excellent first game for Gino. the power play good, PK not so much, and Jari, solid, Mets.
3: I think that's a good summation, Stag. Uh, <laughs> we, we can leave. No. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I was really impressed with uh, Gino's play on the power play. Uh, if people were paying attention, you noticed Evgeny Malkin took a number of faceoffs on the power play. He was solid as can be in the faceoff dot, and he's had some good nights in the past. But in this particular game, he was outstanding. Eleven and three overall on the night for seventy nine percent. He worked a little bit. Uh, on the opposite side of the ice. He went down low behind the net on a couple of occasions. Sid was moving around. I think the power play caused a lot of misdirection for everybody. So that was a nice thing to see. I hope that continues. So that was important. Getting a number of different contributors on the goal sheet, as you just mentioned, uh, with the six different goal scorers. But I like the top lines activity in the game. Sid and Jake Gensel, of course, their chemistry, it it looks like they didn't have an offseason, if if you're looking at them. And, And what I thought was really neat about that, Sidney Crosby, how often do you see him being fed going to the net like he was on his goal that he scored?
2: Well, you know you know me. I love talking about those plays from behind the net. Oh, I know you do. I <laughs> like plays that come from below the goal line to the front of the net. I, I keep seeing teams doing it. I still think the Penguins probably could do more of it than they do. Yeah, they could. And I actually think coaches could coach that. I mean, I think you could work on that as almost like a drill and have a player who's really smart with that and, and actually come up with ways to... You know, to to, uh, to make plays. Sometimes what's a really cool play is we go behind the net, we throw it back out the short side. Uh, you know, so you're going back and instead of going all the way around the net and coming around and throwing it out Oh, front, we've,
3: Yeah, we've seen, know, seen the Penguins do that. Like we've seen some...
2: teams do it to the Penguins. I don't know if oh, you remember. Remember in 2011, the Tampa Bay Lightning? I know did it, it well. The, you remember <laughs> it well, right. They did it a couple times in that series.
3: And it was uh, a nearly unbeatable flower in the game and that's how they beat him yes I, unfortunately i mean it wasn't a lot of goals scored on that night to eliminate them uh in the final game and i believe um it was the finish player for them i forget his name now sean Bergheim maybe or he, bergenheim yeah he, yeah, he, yeah, he scored the goal if i'm right. not mistaken and yeah. uh good
2: memory yep. and, and it's exactly just who it was.
3: that kind of play always uh torments teams so i mean but the penguins in general they look like they have a good game plan and really Every concern that we may have had PK aside in the preseason was certainly alleviated between their last preseason game and this one. I thought they looked ready for action and uh, like the class of the East as we expect them to be this year. You know, I know some people don't believe that, but we do. We think the Penguins can have a really solid hockey team, and they uh, they looked really good in this one against a team that they should have beaten. Here's some
2: post-game reaction from Sid and also Jeff Petrie.
5: Sid, so you've been saying how much you've been looking forward to finally playing some real and meaningful hockey. Just how did it feel to finally get out there and to also,
1: you know, get a result like this in the first game?
5: Yeah, that's good. I mean, we know that uh, with each game we got to get better, but we had a really good start. Um, you know, got the lead and good to get a first win.
1: When, when the first periods as lopsided as it is, is it a struggle to avoid letting
5: bad habits sit in? Uh, I don't know. I think you try to you try to play the right way and. Um, you know, for the most part, we did. I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of power plays this time of year. You see it in every game, and I think, uh, you know, that's that's hard to keep momentum, and you know, you got to kill them. But did a pretty good job, and uh, you know, we were able to get that big goal late in the second that you know gave us a lot of momentum. It's, it's nice playing with a lot of these guys. Uh, obviously, um, you know, they have the ability to to make plays to, to score goals. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's a nice uh, nice thing. And then, uh, you know, obviously, the bat like. The back pressure and how well they they, they help um, you know coming back makes makes it easy for us to have a better gap and and then in turn obviously get the puck up to them so it's uh, you know that group of five uh, mentality is working well. Appreciate
4: you. sorry just jumping about the energy how
5: much you guys are feeding off that energy early on. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice. I was uh, obviously didn't know really what to expect uh, being the first game um, first game here, but uh, you know the. Going out and, and and feeling that and and getting off to a good start was uh, you know it felt good and uh, you know just to, you know makes you makes you excited for you know the games to come obviously um, the first ones out of the way and you know that that nervous energy um, but uh, yeah I thought uh, you know the team played well um, and obviously the the building is uh, it's just, it's a great place to play.
2: Jeff Petrie, he's going to be a good one for the Penguins. Um, top-notch defenseman now in that second pairing to play with Gino. That'll help Gino. Now Sid has his Latang, and and uh, Gino has his Petrie, which is great. And also, um, I think he he really upgrades the Penguins' second second power play unit because in the past, you know, he had guys like Dumoulin and Marcus Pedersen yep. on that on that second unit as the defenseman, and it it just didn't. It didn't scare anybody. Now you got a guy who's a legitimate power play guy playing on that second unit, and they did get a goal, even though it came after the penalty had expired. That was essentially a power play goal by Jeff Zucker. No, I mean, exa- Jason Zucker.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right, Stagg. And um, he, he can shoot the puck. He, he's a solid player along the blue line on the power play. He is a, a very good offensive player. I don't think his offense has gotten enough credit over the years because he's always been on teams with other guys that maybe were the number 1, which is exactly his situation here. But it gives you such a dynamic on your second. Units uh and your second pairing. When you look at his line for the night, I, I was impressed to see. Okay, he got the assist, he was a plus two, he played 2139, two shots, six attempts, three hits, four block shots. So, I mean, he did a little bit of everything for the team. One of those blocks was on Goss Despair, and he had to leave for a moment. I was certainly afraid of that, that please don't let him be hurt right off the hop here. He was able to come back, finish the game, and looked every bit the Jeff Petrie we know. If you recall in the playoffs a few years ago, from uh, the issue he had uh, from an injury, almost he had those red eyes and everything. He he'll play through pain. He'll play through anything you need him to. And he was a huge reason why Montreal was able to make the run they did in the bubble. And here he is now a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Such a nice dynamic for them. He punched a guy in the head in the preseason, which is a good sign. Yeah, you'll always <laughs> you you appreciate a guy that will punch a guy in the head. And and truthfully, I think that's something that made him attractive. The Penguins loved that 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 anger that that bitterness in front of the net because what did we all say? something the penguins lacked was a somebody in front of their own goal who would not hesitate to punch a guy in the head and push him out of the way and clear that.
2: Well, I like I like the fact that you have a guy who might be a little bit more of an initiator at times, you know. And and you mentioned the the bubble playoff series against Montreal. They they really elevated their physical game against the penguins in that series and it shows you that, you know, playoff time I think Petrie's one of those guys who can even take it up another notch yep. physically when you have to at that time of year. Yeah, right? and,
3: and you may, you and I talked in the offseason, Stag, right after he was acquired, and the comment you made, and, and it's as true now as it was then, and we both have talked about it since, either he or Chris Letang can be on the ice for you almost the entire hockey game. Yep. And that's something that a lot of teams can't have. And you heard Mike Sullivan say Jeff Petrie could be a, a top defenseman on any team in this league, and I'm happy the Penguins have him. I know he's not... 25 years old anymore. But you know why? That doesn't matter because he's a veteran player now. He is seasoned. He's experienced. He's a mentor. He joins the leadership group here probably. He wants to be here. He was excited about it. And I think it just gives them something they have lacked. Not that they haven't had talent on their blue line, but it's something different. And it gives them another nuance and another look to make them that much harder to play against. I
2: was kind of surprised that Jan Ruta wasn't available to the media yesterday. I just thought I would that would be guaranteed that guys would ask, yeah, uh, because he's playing against his former team tonight.
3: Yeah, and uh, maybe they'll come something out of that skate that they're going to have this morning. But uh, I guarantee it. If not now, after the game, he'll probably be one of the guys to speak. If it goes, <laughs> you know, you know, if it's oh, like, no, they're going to get him. At some if it's point. like a six-one loss or something, I don't think he'll be available. But uh, you and I think they'll have a pretty solid outing tonight. And uh, Jan Ruta was a pretty big part of the success they had in Tampa Bay. So it's probably an important game for him tonight going up against his former defensive partner in Victor Hedman and his old mates that he won those Stanley Cups with. I think a guy like him is like a security blanket for
2: P.O. Joseph.
3: I I would agree with that. He's the kind of player that has, you know, etched out a pretty nice career for himself uh, just being the the depth defenseman or when he has to, he can slide into a top situation on your blue line but to play with a young player like poj i think he can be that because he's a stay-at-home type he has a little bit of offense in his game in terms of his breakout passing ability he has a little bit of a shot too he was maybe more as a younger player known for his offense but i think he can let poj be poj and stay back and kind of clean up anything that happens with him maybe making an offensive rush
2: We don't want to beat it to death, but it is an interesting topic, so we're going to beat it to death, if that's okay. Uh, I have my uh, stick, and there's a
3: horse laying on the floor (laughs) right over there, stag. (laughs) We're going to
2: come back and talk about the phantom clipping penalty. Uh, It exists. It really does, and I'll prove it in just a moment. Penguins Live Weekly continues after these messages on the Penguins Radio Network presented by ST Bank. Hey students, school
0: is in session and so is the Pittsburgh Penguins Get Go Student Rush program. Take a break from studying and text RUSH to 412-534-6266 to score last minute ticket deals sent directly to your phone. You must be a college student with a .edu email address to participate. Again, text RUSH to 412-534-6266 or visit w www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash studentrush to learn more about the Get-Go Student Rush program today.
1: Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. As a Penguins radio partner for many years, I can tell you that ST Bank is a community bank that truly cares about people. Whether you're a brand new customer or your family has been with ST since its start in 1902, the team is ready to exceed your banking expectations. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com. Learn how ST Bank supports its neighbors at stbank.com today. Remember, fdic the pittsburgh penguins ticketing department would like to thank season ticket holders for their tremendous support as members of the black and gold Premier season ticket holders receive invitations to exclusive events and contests flexible payment options and discounts on food beverage and merchandise at ppg Paints serena holy moly to learn more about season ticket memberships please visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash season tickets
0: You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints.
2: Oh boy, pair went
1: very low on Malkin and then Malkin's stick came around on Gossespierre. A lot of face washing going on there.
2: I can't believe they came after Malkin for that. Boy, pair came real low, a submarine yeah.
1: type hit. That's how he comes down really low on his knee. That can be very dangerous. He's lucky his legs went up in the air and didn't stay in the air.
2: Yep, no penalty on the play. Of course, Bob Berry and Steve Mears on the TV side, no penalty. Could have been a clipping penalty, one that is rarely called and one that was called on a Penguins defenseman way back in 1997 in the playoffs against the Philadelphia Flyers. It's a
0: clipping call at 10.04 on Kasperitis. Don't get that call very often. Darius Casparitis at 10.04 on the clip. It is a minor, two minute minor. And Philadelphia goes back upset in the first round. So Joel Otto at 6'4, six, 6'4 four, six, four Here's what Casparitis did to him. This is why Casparitis got the penalty, the clipping penalty. Casparitis talked to Al Morgani this morning and said, Look, I'm, am I going to take these guys high? Especially Eric Lind?"
2: And there you go. And he finished the sentence, but it was clipped there. Uh, no pun intended. He said, uh, you know, how's he going to go high on a guy like Eric Lindros? So then I was thinking to myself, remember when Darius Casperas went high on Eric Lindros and almost, like, ended his career? He was, a big, he
3: was a big reason for the ongoing concussion issues with him. Absolutely. Scott, between Casper and Scott Stevens, I think they probably single-handedly um, caused that, you know. But I, I, this may be why you chose that with Casper, uh, Stag When you looked at him doing those same kind of hits, the— the, the clipping. It doesn't get called for Shane Goss to spare Casper could not do it without it being called. I feel like they would always find a way to call a penalty anytime he would he would go for the hip check, because uh, his hip checks tended to go low, oh, like yeah. that, and that's how it went.
2: Well, the prevailing narrative is that Darcy Tucker, uh, a hit on Michael Pekka in the playoffs of the early 2000s, is the reason for the clipping penalty. It's like, no, in 97, they called it on television. You heard what Gary Thorne said, in the NHL, clipping incurs a minor penalty, but if the injury occurs as a result of it, the penalty can be upgraded to a major, plus a game misconduct, or even a match if the official determines that the offending player deliberately attempted to cause injury by clipping his opponent. And I have to tell you, uh, that wasn't a good thing, because if he hits him on an angle instead of directly at the back of the leg where he lifted him up and over, say he comes in on just a Bit of an angle and he hits that knee in a different way. That's the that's the surgically repaired knee of Evgeny Malkin. He might be writhing around on the ice as Michael Pekka was when he got hit by Darcy Tucker way back when. And that not would not have been pretty. So then they would have called it. It would have been oh, it's clipping. You get a match the whole bit. Yeah, you know, it's because Geno jumped
3: up right away. Right,
2: absolutely. And that's how they that's how they do things. It's kind of crazy, but um, you know, there's another larger question here, and that is. Players still seem to think they can take liberties against the Penguin Stars with impunity. We saw it again. Now, there was a reaction. Malkin, a couple of good shots to the face of Nick But he Ritchie. reacted himself. But it's he, not he, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's reacting himself. And then later in the game, uh, Stetcher, was, uh, the defenseman for the Coyotes, was whacking Sidney Crosby, or hitting Sidney Crosby, Sid whacked him back with a slash.
3: Yeah, Sid took uh, a little bit of umbrage with that and got a little revenge, and... Uh, that's kind of what's been the ongoing situation here. Sid and Gino react whenever they get what they're, they're rats in a cage right now. They get angry enough because they're poked all game long and then they finally react and then they end up in the penalty box. And so truthfully, the, the jerk player who did something, got the reaction he needed because that player's off the ice now. If Sid and Gino sitting in the penalty box, that helps them. And, and that's how it ended up playing out. So Maybe that's something that still needs to be addressed a little bit with some toughness on the on the roster, but um, if you go back to the just play mantra and all oh, of yeah. this kind of thing, I mean, it's not the way the Penguins are, are constructed and not how they've been playing, but I, I can't stand seeing it because to your point, if Gino had taken that hit a little bit different, I, that's all I could think of right away when I saw him crash down was here he was having an outstanding effort, outstanding evening, game one, and are they going to derail his season already? And thankfully, he was able to jump right up and be oh fine. Oh, boy. Um, and, and that's the fear in that situation every time. And it, it's unfortunate that I think the Penguin stars have faced it going all the way back to Mario Lemieux, Jaromir Yager. Any skill guy on this team has always been in, in the crosshairs of the opposition, and it's continued to this day.
2: Yep. And uh, what I would say is, you know, we could talk all day long about what the Penguins as an organization could do about it. We've talked about it ad nauseum, really, over the years and going, as you said, all the way back to Mario's days. But what about the referees? We could talk about that, too. About making the call. I mean, all right, so he didn't get hurt on the play, but
3: that was a penalty on gosh despair, and Gino ended up in the box. That's what I didn't understand. I mean, now, they did give a double minor on the other side, yes. so it kind of canceled out, but you still took Gino off for two minutes, and I'm still chuckling. Uh, I mentioned it on postgame. Gino did not want to stay in that penalty box. <laughs> he kept trying to, like, run out, you know? <laughs> like, he, once the, the, the it, second period began, and he was sitting in there, he he came, and he was just trying to get himself out, but... Uh, That was what was unfortunate. I don't understand what he did to earn a penalty. I mean, even when he reacted, he didn't react, you know, in a way that you would think they would call penalty It was almost just a little bit of a dust up along the wall. And the next thing you know, he goes to the box. Now, the only thing I could think of is at that point. Well, it doesn't. I don't know. It was early in the game too. It's not like they had penalized them a ton. The, the Coyotes had already taken three penalties in the first period when that occurred, and so maybe they're thinking, well, this is the first time we had a chance to to get a Penguin for doing something, even though POJ was in the box earlier. So they took advantage of the fact that Geno did throw his hands a little bit, and um, and they threw him in the box. But it was a highly penalized game overall, with 13 total penalties called.
2: Yep, and a lot of power play goals. Uh, two for the Penguins, two for the Coyotes. Um, Mike Sullivan said we got to improve on our penalty kill. But I noticed, and I mentioned it again on the postgame show the other night, the games that were played before the Penguins opened their season, Colorado had four power play goals in one game. They were four for six. Yeah. And the Oilers were three for f- something. I three believe for, for so, four, I yeah. believe it was. So that's a lot of power play goals on one night. And, and, and maybe that says something about penalty killing at this time of year. Uh, they still have to work on that a little bit more, and uh, maybe the power plays have the edge at the start of the season. And I can remember, Mets, and you probably remember this too, uh, how many years did we see the league call more penalties early in the season, and you'd see all these power play opportunities, and then they would they would say, well, the players adjusted, you know, and even though they did. And it was just the referee stopped calling stuff. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah. The but whistles were lot, swallowed. <laughs> yeah, you'd see a lot more power play goals early in the year at times over the course of... The, the Penguins history anyway.
3: Well, normally this time of year, getting into the October slate and any, even into November a little bit, is when they're kind of looking at anything new they've put in, like when they were cracking down on cross-checking or they were cracking down right. on, on whatever, you know, and there were a lot more penalties called because they are trying to teach them. Well, I haven't. There's nothing new this year, really, that no, they should isn't. be enforcing. They're just enforcing the rules, except and, for the
2: clipping penalty. Other yeah, <laughs> yeah, the
3: clipping penalty. But there's a lot of. I guess there's a little bit more rust involved. So guys are uh, hooking and holding and grabbing. If you look in this one, um, there were roughing calls, but there there was a couple different hooking calls in in the game. The Penguins were issued a couple interference penalties throughout the night. So it's all. It could be a little bit of what you're saying. First of all, the PKs are, are struggling, but guys are still getting their legs going. I know they're just coming out of out of training camp, but until you get back to your game speed, maybe you're going to hook a guy or, or do that. So that could be a little bit of that coming into play. But that said, I mean, 13 penalties in a game— all around the league when you're watching hockey on, on any given night so far, there's a lot of been a lot of penalties being called, and that's awfully tough on your PK. So I would say if you want to start collecting points early in the season, be one of the first groups to get your PK house in order and you'll start maybe winning when other teams are losing thanks to giving up power play goals. Penguins uh, without Teddy
2: Bluger in the game, and he's getting close to coming back. He's a good penalty killer, Yep. and I know Josh Archibald is going to be an effective penalty killer. What are your thoughts on Kasperi Kapanen finally getting an opportunity to do that?
3: Uh, I like it because it's an area that he can probably thrive more so than he has in 5-on-5 play over his tenure as a Penguin. He did a lot of that with the Maple Leafs. I remember looking at his numbers. He He was killing penalties pretty pretty extensively in his early years as a Maple Leaf because they had so many players that were their star types and playing in the top six that he was used more in a bottom six role and used more on the PK. And I think Borky pointed it out around the, the time that he stopped killing penalties with the Maple Leafs because well, he did it all the way up until he left. He had more shorthanded goals on his resume than he did power play goals at one point. Because he just never played the PP, and he would always use that speed on on the PK. And that's something that the Penguins haven't necessarily had. You had guys that could get shorthanded opportunities, but Cappy, if he can harness his speed and skill and pick off passes at the blue line, he, he could pr- potentially create shorthanded opportunities. So I like it. I, I, I don't know that it'll stick. But if he succeeds early, I think Mike Sullivan will use him in that role. I think even when a
2: guy doesn't
3: pick off the pass or get a
2: breakaway and score... He is a threat yep. to do that maybe, and I think that possibly could have an effect. It disrupts. On, on, it, it does. It, I, I think it, it makes the point men on the op, opposing power play a little nervous. Um, and, of course, we saw the greatest penalty killer of all time, Mario, and he just tortured guys in those situations. But, you know, it would be nice to have a guy who would be considered a threat. You know, you see other teams use their best offensive players to kill penalties. Oh, yeah. The Penguins have never done that. Yep. Um, the first guys to come to mind are Bergeron and Marchant. Marshan uh, for uh, Boston. Those two guys kill penalties all the time. Well,
3: in, in, with the Penguins right now, if Kapanen can do that, we know that Brock McGinn can be an effective penalty killer. He got over three minutes of PK time in this game, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Jan Ruda was a big part of it, so I, I like him on the back end for it, but I was just kind of looking at the players that played. It did come down to some speedy types. I mean, if you, and Ryan Palin got a chance there, and I thought. For his first game, coming in here with a lot of question marks, that's another player that gives him another wrinkle in, in that capacity. I know he may not be in the lineup when Blueger is healthy, but to get a Kapanen involved, to get a paling involved, get Brock McGinn doing what we know he can do there, I think that's three effective penalty-killing forwards that, that give you a little something there. And it takes a burden off Jeff Carter having to play all the time, too, because he did a lot of penalty-killing last year. He only ended up with a minute 28 in this game because you leaned on some of those players. And, and now they did give up some goals. But it's early. They're all kind of coming together as a unit, so I'll be excited to see how it goes over the next week here just to see if they tighten up, if they get some shorthanded opportunities, and, and we can kind of then see them evolve and grow as the the unit that the Penguins need them to be.
2: I want to go back and look at those power play goals that were scored against because <coughs> Mike Sullivan said they were both goals scored the same way and i don't know what he was referring to but something something broke down in a similar fashion on both goals maybe take a look at during the break and we could well the
3: the first one did hit the post kind of and go off jari's back but it was he was open though a pass came to him and he was able to shoot and score the second one is the one that bothered me for richie because he just it was but it was after they collided with jari too i i think that that had something to do with it. Tristan Jari took, um, who was that that barrel through him? Barrett Hayden. Uh, and I know he was pulled down, and that caused the penalty. And I think he was a bit jarred and rattled. Jarred? Jari. Uh-huh. And he was laying there, and he got himself up. And then just shortly into that power play is when Richie danced around everybody, and Jari came way out. He tried to poke him, I think. And he was out of the net, and he threw it into the empty cage. So it was a similar play with him being open there. But I think Jari, if he hadn't just gone through that scenario probably would be more in his net, more in position. He maybe makes a save there. He wouldn't have come out and allow him to just throw it into an empty net. That was another
2: scary moment.
3: It was. And I was thinking that same exact thought I said I had with Gino. Please don't allow him to be hurt here. And then the Penguins are looking at another situation like the playoffs last year.
2: It's amazing. It was the first game <laughs> of the season and you had all these things happening that just remind you, man, it's a grind. Guys go through a lot of stuff and on any given night somebody could get run over you know, uh, hit in a way that yep. get injured. I mean, it's just a, and we'll talk about that. There's a couple of guys who are missing the first part of the season because of injuries when we come back. We also have a nice moment for a Penguin prospect, and we'll hear from Gino all coming up on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank.
1: Flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for Snapple.
0: Today for students is essential to develop a global perspective.
4: You need to push yourself out of your comfort zone constantly. I think that's really a part of the experience of studying abroad is to broaden your perspective of the world and of people.
0: We want students to know that if they go to Kent State, they have the world a la carte to develop a true global perspective. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint. Located at Section 206 and PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com.
1: As the official security provider of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security is invested in the success of the entire western Pennsylvania area. If you run a business here, they understand your primary focus is serving your customer, And a big part of that is making sure that your customers, your employees, and your inventory are all safe and secure. Vector Security can help. Schedule a free business security health check today, and one of their local security experts will assess your needs. Visit them online at VectorSecurity.com pens, to learn more
0: if there's a better place for world-class outdoor adventure or a better place to take in top rated fall colors we haven't seen it but you should see it it's all right here in west virginia plan your fall trip at wvtourism.com You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints.
2: Owen Pickering, Penguins' first-round draft choice this past summer, got a special commendation this week from his junior team, the Swift Current Broncos. We're
0: going to have a quick message here, guys, so I'll shift your focus
5: up to the board. Hey, guys, my name is Glenn Godden, and I played for the
1: Broncos from 2013 to 2018. I was named captain in 2016 and to this day it is still one of the biggest honors of my life. This organization is so important to the community of Swift Current and I wanted to make sure that I didn't take being captain for granted. Playing for the Broncos is a privilege and I know that you all can accomplish great things together. I'm thrilled and honored to announce the newest captain in franchise history, Owen Pickering.
2: I think the Penguins are really high on him.
3: They really are. Everything we heard through the whole preseason was, I mean, they they love his size, the potential size he's going to have. Once he bulks up, I mean, he can move the puck. He's a good offensive player. He's a good two-way guy. Uh, I'm excited about it, too, just based on what we saw in a short dose. And then, um, you know, watching his junior career stack, I think he could be a pretty important player for the Penguins down the line.
2: And uh, the guy who's in charge of making these picks now is uh, Kerry Huffman, the former Philadelphia
3: Flyer and friend of Ron Hextall. I, I was laughing the other day when the announcement happened. I know he was kind of in the organization already, but it's an awful lot of flyers popping <laughs> up in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, which isn't to be unexpected with with Ron. And it's nice to see them all kind of put on the black and gold now and and leave the leave the history behind. But yeah, uh, Kerry Huffman's another one that Ron Hextall's probably high on. That he knows these guys well. Uh, and I still believe they did a pretty decent job, um, and, and starting with Ron Hextall with, in the Flyers organization back then whenever they were picking picking players. I know that now people are not happy with what's going on there, but I think they did a good job and they're doing a great job here.
2: Penguins are honoring Dana Heinsey tonight before the game with a little special uh, commendation, to use that word again. Uh, he's retired as the Penguins equipment manager, one of the really innovative and uh, outstanding equipment managers in the history of the league in my opinion
3: yeah it's well deserved uh, he's done a great job uh during his time in pittsburgh or he did a great job during his time here in pittsburgh and he did a good job of grooming the the heir of parents here too and uh but you know he, he just did a wonderful job and he, he was perfect for the role anytime you talk to him he always he, like you said he was innovative he had great ideas um I, I remember a few years ago I ran into him at Giant at a Giant Eagle. We were both in line around Thanksgiving waiting with a cart of groceries and it was super busy. So we just sat there and talked about hockey for a little while and everything. He's just a really unique guy and um you know, I, and it was I had him cornered there because you don't usually get a, that long a chance to talk to Dana. So it's great to see him being recognized tonight. Good for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing him down on the ice.
2: And he was the equipment manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, for years uh, before he came yep. to Pittsburgh. So it's a fitting night uh, to be honoring him with the Penguins playing the Bolts who are in town. And we'll it might be it.
3: by design or something. I would think. <laughs> I
2: would think, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, you know, Gino is donating $710 for every point to the Ronald McDonald House of Pittsburgh and Morgantown. And he's happy to do that. And yesterday, he was in a good mood when the media caught up with him in the Penguins locker room. Can you
5: talk
4: about the decision to have the, uh, the special squeeze, $710 donation, working with the Ronald McDonald House? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to be nice. Uh, I play here, like, uh, 17 years, you know. I'm, like, uh, it's my second hometown. I'm, like, right, like... Say thank you to fans, say thank you to kids, like, support myself, you know, support the team. And uh, I signed, like, a nice contract, like, four more years, and I'm trying to, like, do it, like, uh, my best, you know, like, not just play hockey, like, something, like, uh, to City, something to, like, uh, kids. And, like, I uh, talk to the team, I talk to, like, mentors here, and, like, uh, we do it, like, uh, together, like, and I hope, like, uh, I score lots of points, you know, and, like, it's more money for kids.
1: So, you know, it's been pretty noticeable how energetic and uh, just happy to be out on the ice that you've been. Is this the most fun you've had playing hockey quite
4: some time? Yeah, we're all kids here, you know, like, like we like still like uh, have fun like every day, like we play against each other, you know, we're joking around, you know, it's like we're like uh, kids, but we're big kids, you know, it's like have, like, fun every day. Like, uh, not just, like, in on ice. It's locker room, like, you know, like, in planes, like, in the uh, in hotels. Yeah, like, it's, like, try to, like, enjoy life. Is
3: momentum important to you? You had a big game last night. You put up some points and shots and chances. You know, how important is that
4: for You know, it's first game, you're always nervous, you know, like, we not play, like, like four months, you know, it's, like, I'm a little bit nervous like yesterday for sure and like it's great we play unbelievable I think game you know like everyone exciting you know like we play at home like so crowd you know it's like uh, again me Tanner, seat we play 17 years together you know it's like big moment for us too and like yeah it's like uh tomorrow huge uh game against like Tampa, and like we'll be good like I mean like uh Every day, every game, we should be better, you know, like, uh, not just against, like, a team like Arizona. We need to play better every game against, like, uh, Rangers, against Tampa, you know, it's like, show, like, what we can do, like, every day. How important is it to have two wingers as fast as Rusty and Zucker? yeah it's like uh, very important if we play together like long time we try like uh, do it best you know it's like uh i know rusty i know zach like pretty well and like play same game like yesterday and we'll be fine like i mean i feel so much better like from last year you know like my knee stronger you know like my body stronger and like i'm trying like uh this year very important for me i know that and like i'm trying like again like showing uh back on ice and show my best you know it's like I knew I'm not uh, young anymore, but I have more experience. I have like uh, great like uh, career, but show my best again. Like I'm not done. I'm not done, man. It's, I I just have to tell you, I, I there was
2: something special about the way he presented himself yesterday. Like it ref- was refreshing. I mean, I and I've been thinking that with with those three guys. Uh, signed this summer, that there was a renewed sense of purpose and maybe kind of a restart button that they pushed. I mean, it's just something I could—you could just read it in the body language and the way uh, Gino is talking right now.
3: I couldn't agree more. I, I think that bringing those three guys back, they—they they were almost resigned to the fact that maybe it wouldn't work out. Yeah, and the fact that it did almost. They almost seem like excited and and surprised by it, and like, hey man, we thought change was coming, and now we're back. It it is a renewed focus, and it and it. I said this to Josh Joey the other night when he joined me on the Intermission Report Stack. It feels like, and I'm not saying that on gate after one week of hockey here in the league and one game for the Penguins that something special could be afoot, but it does feel like they could almost will that into existence, having a pretty a pretty nice year for themselves. Now, whether that culminates in a Stanley Cup, that's yet to be determined. But generally, I think they'll still be a very strong regular season team, make it happen the way they need to, get themselves in the playoffs. Sid even said it the other day uh, on an interview I heard, you know, you just have to get in. It doesn't matter where you finish. You get in the playoffs and then, you know, the rest is is there in front of you. So go after it. And he goes, the the uh, success for us is going to pretty much entail Getting out of the first round, and I think this team has the potential to do that.
2: Well, that song Feeling Good by Michael Buble, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, (laughs) it's a new life for me,
3: and I'm feeling good. (laughs) There it is, Stag. (laughs) The Bolts are in town tonight. I'm I'm excited to see them uh, go up against the Penguins.
1: Off the carom, Kalorn may get to this puck on the forecheck. He will at the left circle, lead for Sergachev, center point. He shoots, goal. Stamp goes on the tip! Well, now he has three goals this year.
0: That's a big one to give the Lightning a three goal lead, 5 2 Tampa
4: Bay.
2: All those Tampa fans that are downtown Pittsburgh last night because they're here for Brady and the Bucks and the Bolts. And a uh, big weekend for those folks that traveled into Pittsburgh. Let's hope uh, the Penguins can ruin the party a little bit tonight.
3: Yeah, rain on their parade, so to speak. Beat them uh, on the ice, and then tomorrow, do not allow Tom Brady to win another one in Pittsburgh, because he does that almost all the time. So it's it's a fun weekend of sports in Pittsburgh. And the Lightning won last night 5-2 to
2: against Columbus. Uh, Patrick Laine is out three to four weeks with a sprained elbow for Columbus. Mike Matheson is out of the Montreal lineup for eight weeks with an abdominal strain. That's a blow to the Canadiens.
3: That's a big time blow. Um, Who the it, Penguins play on Monday, right? Yeah, that, that's going to be, uh, and it's a shame he couldn't play his former team. But it's probably good for the Penguins to go up against an even younger blue line, minus Mike Matheson.
2: Hope you enjoyed the show this morning. We're here every Saturday morning at nine a.m. It's called Penguins Live Weekly with our producer Wayne Gretzky Anderson, Brian Metzer. I'm Paul Steigerwald. Have a great weekend, everybody.
4: Life-changing is happening every day at UPMC.
1: I think nursing is one of the most important jobs in the world. You have to have the book smarts and the critical thinking skills, but there's this 50% that is just relating to people. I get to positively
0: impact a person's